applying God's Word to every aspect of life. This is Theology Applied. Hi, this is Pastor Joel with Right Response Ministries. We have another episode um, of Theology Applied, our podcast last show. Today, I'm privileged to have as a special guest, uh, Mark Hamilton. Mark Hamilton and I have gotten to know each other recently through social media and then having a a call on the phone. And uh, he wears many hats. He is a pastor of a church called Faithful Stones, and he'll share some of that uh, with us. Uh, But that's not really his day job. He's a bivocational pastor. His primary vocation um, in terms of income for his family is he is a detective uh, in Buffalo, New York. He also uh, does a lot with uh, fitness. If you ever check out his Instagram, you'll see a lot of fitness tips. Um, And he does a lot of that, uh, not just for vanity or image or those kinds of things, but to train uh, public servants and and how to to be more equipped and and more effective in their jobs. He's also a husband. He's also, by God's grace, a father of five. So without further ado, Mark Hamilton, uh, anything I missed, feel free to introduce yourself. Welcome to the show. Well, uh, thank you for having me, Joel. It's a, it's a pleasure and a joy to be here. I'm uh, overwhelmed by uh, God's grace, how he has brought us together. Um, yes, as you said, I am a, a husband of a, a lovely wife, uh, a nice lady, as I, as I joke with her. Uh, she's a nice lady, and she laughs, and... <laughs> Because she truly is. She's a worthy woman, as Ruth says, and uh, uh, she loves her family. She loves God, and uh, she loves the people of God. Our girls, uh, we're raising to love God most uh, so that uh, if if they love God most, they will love uh, us just fine and everyone else, too. So uh, we are happy to have uh, our, our family uh, growing uh, by God's grace. Tell me, tell me a little bit about um, what what is it like being a detective? What's it like being a police officer in Buffalo? What's what's the temperature well, there, in New York? Well, uh, it, I, I believe it would be um, similar to what's going on around uh, the country. Um, the the temperature is high. Um, uh, emotions about what's going on is uh, at a fever pitch, really, because um, everybody is reacting emotionally. And uh, in my case, uh, I get to see the, the what I call the ethnic emotionalism, uh, because we have a lot of uh, premature reacting to situations um, that uh, heightens the situation, makes it worse. It doesn't make it better. It doesn't uh, bring any calm or any sense to the matter. It just brings feelings and uh, personal agendas to the situation. So uh, being a detective uh, in, uh, in the city of Buffalo is, I would believe, I would sympathize, I would be able to sympathize with a lot of the officers around the nation that are going through things, uh, some uh, deservingly, some undeservingly. Most of it Uh, is unwarranted, I would say. Most of it is unwarranted because uh, the heightened um, pitch where uh, the media has really infused this animosity uh, against the police and the citizens is just, it's just, it's unfair and unwarranted. Right. I was going to say, it's it's not just that you're under, as the police department all across our nation, it's not just that 
police are under um, intense scrutiny or, or meticulous scrutiny. But it's like you said, it's unfair scrutiny because basically you have uh, what, what nobody likes. I don't like it. Nobody likes it. Even pastors, you know, don't enjoy when somebody who doesn't have your job thinks they know more about your job than you do and tells you sure. how to do it. You know, so you have, I mean, you have a whole nation and part of that's just the phenomenon of, of social media and everybody carrying around a video camera in their pocket, essentially, you know, and, and being able to, but, but the problem is, you know, I, I keep thinking about, I, th- I think it's Proverbs eighteen seventeen that, you know, that mm. um, the first one to bring his case seems right until another cross-examines him. And and you might say, and I think with the George Floyd instance, a lot of people are like, hey, that's not just somebody bringing their case. They didn't just present a case. They presented evidence and, and they presented um, conclusive evidence because it's video, Joel. It's video, Mark. You know, what, what more could, could you want? Um, but the reality is that there are many different uh, variables at, at play. And, and, and even with video, there's video from multiple angles. There's the person who's got an iPhone standing off to the side. There's the body cam fl- footage. And so I, I can't imagine in your line of work being under, you know, not just intense scrutiny, but unfair scrutiny from uh, the peanut gallery guy, you know, like just your, your, your average Joe who doesn't know anything about the police department, but then also the, the higher paid peanut gallery, a.k.a. the, the mainstream media, <laughs> you know, who's really they're kind of the peanut gallery these days also, but who, you know, are saying, well, why don't why don't you just uh, I saw Wyatt Earp shoot a shoot somebody's uh, gun out of their hand. Why don't why don't police officers aim for, for the weapon in their hand, you know, and things like right. that. So do you have any comments on that? I, I just can only imagine what the frustration you might feel. Well, yes, I do, because it's almost that. You know, people want you to take sides. You're black, Mark, mm-hmm. and uh, right. you're a cop, and you're a pastor. What do you say? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I, I quickly uh, and hurry to say uh, what's right. What's right? The scripture you brought in, in Proverbs 18, uh, one man thinks he's right until he's cross-examined, and then mm-hmm. it's a different matter. And uh, I think that I think the church, the community, has done a poor job especially my community, because again, no matter how much you beat the drum, no matter how much you try to stand, uh, and a lot of times you stand alone pointing out the truth. Um, Mm -hmm. What happened to George Floyd, uh, what I said, one thing I said, because my, my, my social media, as you said, is, is business and uh, is to serve people in a, in a physical way. Um, but I, I did sp- speak out because I seen so many people reacting um, prematurely, uh, you know, just uh, saying this and saying that. And I, one thing that I, I wanted to make clear is that George Floyd uh, might not look like you. He did not. Uh, he he might not live where you lived, um, but he deserved the right, the respect, the care, the love. Uh, that uh, image bearer of God deserves. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, as well as Derek Chauvin. And when Mm -hmm. you put that uh, in there, uh, it's like, wait a minute, stop the press. What do you mean? No, no. The Bible is clear. There is no partiality with God. God shows no respecter of people or persons. And so Mm -hmm. uh, real justice without the adjectives is God's justice, just justice is, 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 is of God, is of truth. And we wait till a matter is heard fully, no matter what color you are, no matter what 
economic status you are. And so you, right. you have to look at the matter. And it's so tough being um, uh, a black man on the police department. It's like double whammy when people look at you and they question you and they automatically think, Yes, we're together, but no, no, we're not together. We're not together mm-hmm. in that sense. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Yes, I love you, uh, but 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 the truth matters. The truth matters. Right. Facts matters, and, and I can't detach myself from it. Right, and it's and when you say like I'm not with you, I and I think I could speak for you in this matter, and you correct me if I'm wrong. But you're you're saying you know if there's if there's another uh, you know person uh, uh, in the black community who's looking on and you're you know you're investigating some kind of crime or something like that and they're like hey you're with me you know uh, you're like no I'm not with you but also I think you would say mark and I'm not with them I'm not I'm not with the black community I'm not with the police I'm with Christ I'm with the Correct. truth wh- wh- wherever that lands wh- whatever whatever side and and so that's I mean our world is so we we've we've there's so much tribalism today we're so polarized. We're so divided, and uh, and everybody's passing out. You know, everybody's passing out T-shirts. Or everybody's passing out jerseys. You know, join our team. Um, get on. Get on the right side of history. Get on the right team. Right. Get you know, and uh, and it's really hard as Christians uh, to continually say uh, no team but Christ. Uh, that's that's the team. That's the team that we're on. And and all of these all these secondary ways of of finding identity. It's not that they don't matter. Like the, you know, the the Bible speaks to secondary identity. I was I was talking about this recently on uh, w- with you know with a friend. But you know, our primary identity. There's only only two identities a person can have. Uh, you're either in Christ or you're in Adam, right? right. You're in Christ, and, and all the blessings of God are you by virtue of your union with Christ by grace through faith in in Christ. Or you're in Adam. You're a dead man walking. You're on death row under the just condemnation of God. And if he does not intervene in his salvation, then um, you're, you're hopeless. You're without hope in the world. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that. So in Christ or in Adam, at a secondary identity level, um, there's, well, I would say the next biggest thing is male and female. Uh, Genesis 1, 27, male and female, he made them. In his image, uh, he made them. And, and then you know, further down, we might say tertiary. It's not that it doesn't matter. It does matter. Um, but, but beneath gender, male and female, and there's only two genders, then we, then we would have ethnicity. We'd have black, white, brown, Asian, you know, and, and down the gambit. And that does matter because we do have, you know, revelations and texts that say from every tribe, tongue, and nation, right, that God is, you know, have, heaven is going to be ethnically diverse. And so that's something that God created, something that should be celebrated. But what I've noticed in our culture today is, you know, what ultimately the pagan culture, the unbeliever wants to do is always pervert the truth, twist the truth, mm. uh, turn things ultimately on their head, right? So right. like God says, if you eat of the fruit, uh, you, you shall surely die. And Satan says, you will not die, but rather, and he, he doesn't just say God's lying, you won't die, but he turns it on his head. He says, not only will you not die, you will be like God. And so there, there's always this reversal of, of upside down flipping things. And so in our pagan culture, unbelieving culture, um, we, we have, I think, from a biblical worldview, we have like top tier identity in Christ, in Adam, right? Then second, I think we'd have things like 
male, female, and, and subcategories for male and female, we'd have um, a, a man who is a husband, a man who is a father. And these are secondary identities that matter because the Bible has specific things to say based on which category you fall into. If you're a woman, the Bible has something to say. If you're a man, the Bible has something, a lot of similar things, but some distinct things also to say to a man uh, versus a woman. And then if you're a husband or if you're single, the Bible has different things to say. Um, But then again, down the line, ethnicity and what our culture I think has done is our culture says male and female, that that doesn't that that's a distinction, um, an identity category that doesn't matter at all, or they, they'll even go further. Male and female that doesn't that's a category that doesn't even exist. Gender genders doesn't even exist. This binary gender, uh, but then they'll take something that that is a biblical category of ethnicity, but but in my assessment, in biblical terms of priority, um, the identity that that an individual person gets from being black or white, I think um, is is inferior to the identity in terms of biblical terms and what the Bible has to say of man or woman. I think the Bible has a lot more to say about if you're a man or a woman, and then certainly the most to say about whether you're in Christ or Adam. So in, in Adam or in Christ, um, man, woman, and then you know we could say black, white, and what our culture has done is said man and woman doesn't matter at all, or it doesn't mm-hmm. even exist. Black and mm-hmm. white means everything. You know, and so a man, you know, like Caitlyn Jenner, you know, Bruce Jenner, you know, a man can dress up like a woman, but but we've seen a couple of times where some white person gets caught trying to trying to pull off, you know, acting as though they were black, and our culture doesn't really like that, you know, and and so it's just it's just, you know, and I would say both are wrong, but but the problem is we've elevated these kind of tertiary identity categories um, as as though they're the end all be all. And so there's this extra incentive, not just incentive, but demand for, you know, yeah. you take a side, take a side, put on the Jersey, whose team are you on? And, and so I just, I, I can't really, I can't imagine uh, the pressure that you feel. Are there a lot of other, if I can add, are, are there a lot of other black detectives or police officers where you work in Buffalo? Or do you feel there alone? are, uh, there, there are other um, black detectives and officers, but uh, we would we would be considered the minority uh, times right. two, um, yeah, uh, because just that's just the makeup, uh, and that, and that's a that's a whole nother issue. But um, there are there are, and uh, again, uh, the way uh, I think um, as a Christian man, and 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 that's that's my title, uh, you know, all the other titles are secondary, as you just said, because um, the world. The culture uh, tries to label you, even if you don't want the label. And right. Right. they push that uh, in the media. They push that in the university. They push that um, in, in the open square. And, and that's all you hear. Uh, but when one, when one uh, proclaims and identifies with Christ um, as uh, the ultimate, uh, you, you get so much pushback. And, and that's mm-hmm. people in the church, sadly, now, which, which we're dealing with, uh, but of course, the world, but uh, the, the church, that's the sad thing, because you're dealing with these issues that the church is supposed to, ha- is supposed to have the answers. So the church is supposed to shed light and bring clarity mm-hmm. to the truth, and you're fighting, um, you're infighting, uh, with mm-hmm. and friendly fires coming in from all sides, about an issue that we're supposed to be in agreement on, you know, Paul right. said, I regard no one at, uh, according to the flesh, 
And he That's goes on to talk about we are uh, we are new creatures in Christ. That should matter most. Yep. Amen. So with with that, the church and that, you know, friendly fire, you know, where, where the, the church, I can't remember who said it, but he said um, he said the church is uh, one of the only armies he's ever seen, the, the only group of soldiers he's ever seen that, that shoots its own. And uh, mm-hmm. sadly, um, and yet at the same time, the church is the bride of Christ. And um, as Spurgeon says that, you know, even despite all the faults and all the infighting, all those kinds of things, uh, Charles Spurgeon said that the church is uh, she, uh, it's the sweetest place I know. You know, and so the, the mm-hmm. church is, it is the sweetest place on earth, even with all its faults. I, I think Calvin is the one who said that uh, wherever the word of God is rightly preached and the sacraments yeah. rightly administered, there a church of God exists, even if it swarms with many faults. And so we love the church, but she's rough sometime. And, and me and you are, are part of the problem. You know, we're, we're sheep too. We're under shepherds, but we kind of have that dual identity. We're Christ sheep who also are shepherds. And so uh, we, we make plenty of mistakes. But speaking to your church specifically at a local level, how, how, does, how is your church handling that? With you being a police officer, you being their pastor, you um, re- really holding to a uh, not social justice, but biblical justice and a biblical worldview and seeking to apply those things uh, what, you know, is your church with you, I guess, or I'm sure plenty of them are, or, or do you have, even at a pastoral level, are, do you have some of those, those moments with some of those individuals who, who are kind of buying into the spirit of this age? Well, isn't that the temptation? Uh, that's the temptation for us all. Uh, Romans 12 said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's the emphasis mm-hmm at our church that um, we would be uh, transformed and reject, resist conformity to the culture uh, to stand up and to speak. He has given us his spirit to speak clearly and boldly of not our truth, as the world says, not as uh, not a a tribal truth, not a ethnic truth, but a a biblical uh, Christ centered truth where he is proclaimed and made much of. And, uh, you know, I, 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 they know my uh, position, and I try to uh, communicate that position from Scripture, from, but yeah. without, any other, without any other vantage point. Not be, as a police officer, I don't separate myself from uh, being a police officer just, or, or, uh, or anything else. I, I come as a servant of Christ saying, this is what God says. Thus says the Lord about every issue. That includes government. That includes uh, the culture. That includes family. That includes uh, all of our life. And I think, Joel's one of the major problems in the church is they have uh, detached Christ from life. Uh, uh, and and the, 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 the separation is... Um, obvious and it is damaging where Christ is on the Lord's day for an hour uh, or, or two and and then on, on Bible study and, and uh, whatever service you come to, but then you, you scatter and there is no reflection of his authority in our life. And so when things like this come, when this, when things like this threaten the church, we are up in arms and, and we're, we're, we're questioning or we're giving uh, an ear to these ideologies that are, uh, un, that are godless and pagan and uh, just, uh, just 
it's it just plain evil. Yep. Because we I, have not recognized the falsehood. Yep, I, I completely agree. And I think part of it is exactly what you're saying. It's, you know, it's all of Christ for all of life. It's theology applied. That's the, you know, that's the point of this show. And, and it's, you know, it's when our theology is actually lived out. And, uh, and I think part of the problem is uh, there's, a, there's a lot of evangelicals today who would, um, they would uh, quickly salute the Bible as the inerrant word mm. of God. And they, would, they would absolutely uh, affirm that, that the Bible is infallible, that it's without error, it's inerrant, that it's uh, eternal, that it's immutable, that it's, um, that it's also fully authoritative, that it's the, the, the highest authority in all the universe, that it's absolute, that it's universal, um, all these kinds of things, um, objective. Uh, the problem is that, that you know, something like, like social justice comes on the scene or whatever. It doesn't even have to be that issue, but whatever it is, um, you leave the Lord's day, like you're saying, you know, you, you leave Sunday, you leave the church and you go about your life and whether it's in the home or whether it's on the street or in your vocation or in media or, or whatever it might be with parenting, with education and what, what you know, what, how are we going to school our children? All these kinds of things. Um, it, it's precisely at those points that um, we don't question the authority of Scripture. We, we question its relevancy. We question mm-hmm. the sufficiency of Scripture, not the authority right. of Scripture. But, um, and, and what we think, what many Christians think, is that um, it's not that they're saying, well, I know God has said this, but I, I just want to do that. Um, right. that. That happens. Sometimes we are that rebellious. Um, but, but often what, what I find pastorally is that a lot of times p- people say, I know God says this. What does this have anything to do with that? Yeah, right. they don't they don't see they don't see um affirming saluting god's word here and then and then the way they're living in a particular action over there as a as a blatant contradiction they they don't see how the scripture applies i, I think that's a big part of the problem so what, especially with politics i think a lot of christians would say the bible has nothing to say about politics and really pastors need to you know not really be talking about politics or preaching about politics that has no place in the church and there's this clear line you know separation of church and state which a lot of people misinterpret what that's actually supposed to mean and right. and if the bible says anything about politics at all you know what do we hear most often romans 13 romans 13 you know submit to the civil magistrate and that gets exegeted to mean uh, an unconditional submission to the civil magistrate even when 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 they might be legislating um, you know something that's that's contrary to God's word, and so there's just there's just so many misnomers and so many misunderstandings um, about uh, the word at the level of application. I, I think that's a big part of the problem. So that we see certain things, and and we just Christians would be so quick to buy into to narratives that are antithetical to to the truth of God's word. And, and it's not necessarily because of this blatant heart that desires to rebel, because we're speaking of Christians with new hearts that um, in their inner being, they delight in the law of God. It's because in their mind, uh, they mm. have not yet conformed, be, been transformed rather uh, to the truth of God's word to the degree that they see the connection between God's word says this. And and that means on the gra- on the ground, it means Blank. I think it's that that ground level Christianity, practical, lived out Christianity that that I think a lot of the church is missing. So that's good. So um, that that I being agree. said, tell me tell me tell our listeners a little bit about the story that you shared with me, just about your church because it's a unique story of the church that you currently pastor, where it came from, uh, how it got there. Share that with us. 
So uh, grew up in the church. Um, I, I'm a, I would be a third generation preacher. Um, grew up in my, well, at a, a very young age, uh, started off in my grandfather's church. My father um, shortly after uh, started his church um, in 1983. Um, well, actually I would say uh, 1982 because he started in a house church preaching to, to uh, drug addicts and drunks. Um, and uh, he grew out of there and uh, started, uh, bought a, a, purchased a building. 1980, uh, 1983, we went into a building. Uh, the church was named Word of Faith. And a lot of the, and all the baggage, all the heretical, um, damaging, dangerous uh, doctrine of that movement uh, came along uh, with it. It wasn't as, I would say blatant as, uh, as, as some of the um, preachers you hear, uh, but it was still just as deadly. And so, but with that said, um, he started the church in 1983. Um, we bought a, we purchased a building. Um, church is, is flourishing, it's growing. Uh, but all the while, um, it's wrong. It's, it's unbiblical. I mean, it's a, a it's a seeker friendly, so to speak, kind of church. Everything goes. Um, there, there was not much uh, emphasis on um, the scriptures and the authority of them, and the and that as our king and head and our direction. And so, uh, by God's grace, my father continued to uh, pastor, and, and let me add his mercy. Because we often, you know, bring up that how merciful God was to allow us to uh, operate uh, in, in, in that state. But he knows. He knows. And I know by his great providence that uh, he knew um, who he called. And he knew who he um, uh, drew out of, uh, of darkness. So um, for uh, years, uh, the church continued. It flourished. And grew out, grew, grew so much, um, out of that particular building, we built another building. Um, and right, not shortly after that, uh, we, we had success there. And, um, seven years later, I believe we paid off the mortgage off of a brand new building because people were giving faithful coming all of that. And, uh, but something was still wasn't right, Joel, something still wasn't right. We knew that. And, uh, and I think that's when the Lord started to uh, get my attention, um, just putting things in my path, you know, mm-hmm. starting with, you know, listen to the Bible Answer Man and uh, Hank Hennegraaff. And uh, again, one thing led to another. I got a hold of John MacArthur, R.C. Sproul and mm-hmm. the, the various ones. And I'm like, where is this? Uh, where is this teaching? <laughs> where is this teaching? And 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 I'm and I'm feeding my father. I'm like, Dad, you got to hear this. You you, you got to listen. And so, uh, as it would happen, um, the Lord really convicted us. Convicted us. And I would just dig, dig. I, I read all I can read. I I searched all I can searched, and um, I began to again question my father. You know, gently, and uh, and then sometimes it would be vigorous, and we're going at it, and just in the scriptures saying, "How is this true?" And so, um, 
that that would go on and then uh, my father and I would have conversations frequent conversations and then his the lord opened his eyes the lord opened his, uh, opened his eyes that's there's no other way i can put it and um from that mo moment on he 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 committed to um the biblical authority and doing things the right way and he had to announce to the church that we're going in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And when he said that, Joe, it was done. It was done. You go from uh, a full membership uh, of over 200 people uh, to 50 people. Uh, and they just started slowly. Everybody didn't leave at once. Everybody didn't leave, but they just started slowly going for the door. And, uh, and it, was, uh, it was tough. It was sad. Uh, we cried. I know my dad was uh, very, very um, broken over that. Anytime you, you're, you're, you're shepherding people and you're in, involved with families and, um, and then you, you, you have to expose and because you love them, because you love them. Um, that had to be done and it, it was done. And uh, I think, uh, again, I said, I think two, uh, seven years later, the, the mortgage was paid off. Thank God, because everybody was gone. <laughs> so uh, we were left there with the mortgage and just a few people. But God, again, was faithful, was faithful um, and seeing us through as we were reforming. Um, because the reform really started in 2002. And then, uh, you know, Sempera uh, Reformata, you know, we're, we're always reforming, but we weren't reforming in the way that uh, in the classical sense, we were just trying to right some wrongs and be com and conform with scripture. And then uh, it's been going on uh, with, by God's grace for uh, strong, strong as we've been uh, in reform and learning and growing. And um, just last year, well, this is 2021, 2019, but my father asked me uh, to take over as a lead and senior pastor. And uh, I didn't know that was happening when it was happening, but um, God knew and, and now we are uh, grateful, grateful, ever grateful that God has re uh, withheld his, his judgment and, uh, and, and, and his mercy is, is, is so abundant and it is clear and evident how he has spared us because Every time I, I think about how we operated, how, what was going on, and and any at any time he could have just said no, you're done. Uh, but uh, thank God he is a merciful God, slow to anger, uh, slow to wrath. I, I had the the same kind of experience. I know we talked about it, you know, previously, but uh, you know, I, I planted a church, San Diego, California, about eleven years ago. And just, just not what I should have been doing. I wasn't qualified at the time. I wasn't meeting the, the biblical qualifications. I wasn't able to teach. So both in competency, you know, if, if you took it and you said, you know, biblical qualifications, put them in two categories of competency and character. Competency, able to teach, but then also some of the things that often get categorized as character. I think, 
I have to do with competency, like managing your own household. That, that speaks to the character of a man, but it also Absolutely. speaks to a man's competency, you know, and if he can't manage his own household, he has no bu- business managing, you know, the house of God. And so both in terms of character and competency, I was not qualified at the time, should not have been planting a church. And by God's grace, you know, after about four years, at about um, the four-year mark, um, there was serious reform in the church um, that ultimately began by by God in his mercy um, doing serious reform in me and in my heart and um, through repentance and um, and seeing things in the word rightly in terms of doctrine, also in terms of holiness. And, and, and then all of a sudden it just kind of became, I, I, I can, I can think of, you know, the, the, the steady, you know, re- reformed and always reforming like what you were saying, but then it's like the way the Lord does things and the way that he re- slowly reforms. It's fun. It's funny. Cause it's like this slow, gradual reformation, but just like stock investments, there are spikes every now and then. Mm-hmm. It's like the Lord reveals something, you know, he's revealing things to you every day as you're following him and serving him and submitting to his word. Uh, but there are moments where he reveals something big, you know, and, um, and in those big moments where, where, where it calls for serious change, right? Like it's like sure. the Lord calls you all over again. And I think this is just the Christian life, you know, and, and you see it in church life, you see it in individual Christian life, but it's... You're following Jesus, and along the way, you know, there's, there's daily taking up our cross and following him. Uh, but there are moments where that cross um, is really heavy. There are moments oh. where, uh, that, that are extra sacrificial, right? Like Abraham was following the Lord for, for quite a while before the Lord said, and, and now I require your son Isaac, sacrifice him. So, you know what I mean? Like that, like I'm sure there were, I mean, God had already asked him to leave everything that he knew and to go to the place that he would show him. And I'm sure there were multiple, you know, a daily grind of sacrificing current comforts and pleasures and my will ultimately to serve the will of Christ. But then there are big kind of monumental moments. And so I know, I remember for our church and for me, there were those, those big theological mountains where we, you know, I just, I just couldn't, it's like something, it's something got, you know, I just saw something in the word and I couldn't unsee it. You know what I mean? Like, like you miss something for years. You, you don't, and then you see it and you can't unsee it. And then you have to change. I mean, right then it's like you have a choice. You're either going to repent or you're going to harden your heart. I remember a big, a big one for, for, for us was, you know, um, continuationism versus cessationism. And so I, mm. you know, I became a cessationist and have been for a few years now and, that was a big one. And so it's like at every step of the way, you know, you're reformed and always reforming. Um, the, fir- the first and that 11-year journey for me, the, fir- the first four years were just like what you're describing. Where you, c- you can only chalk it up to the, the slowness of anger, on the, his mm-hmm. long-suffering on the Lord's part, his mercy. Right. So for the first four years, it's like I shouldn't have even been doing this. Over the last, you know, seven years, it was, um, it was this gradual reformation um, being, I, I believe, pleasing to the Lord the whole time, but becoming more and more um, formed, forged into the image of Christ. Better doctrine, better character, uh, more love for holiness, um, all, all those kinds of things. But in that seven years, there were those milestones, right? Like those those big ticket items like, okay, um, we we don't believe in speaking in tongues anymore, you know, and some people walk out the door. You know, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. I remember when I, I preached through First Timothy. You know, um, when I preached through First Timothy, and typically you get to hard text and you just kind of want to 
get past it. But I remember just being convicted. And we, we got to First Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 through 15, where it talks about, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. She must remain silent. And, you know, in verse 15 says, you know, but women will be saved through childbearing <laughs> if they continue with faith. <laughs> you know, and it's like, that's like, let's just get past that. And I just... I felt convicted, and I so I slowed down. I spent four weeks just on those few verses, and and you could literally each week that I came back, there was a noticeable lack of of people at church. Like I mean, like ten, twenty people per. Well, not twenty, but about ten people per week for four weeks. We lost about forty people in that month. And so, anyways, all that being said, I I commend you. I commend your father. Um, you can tell him I, I said this. I, I just the humility. I think that's required um, to do something because it's one thing for a young man to reform because really reform, we're just talking about changing and in this particular case, changing um, in accordance with God's word. Um, but, but there's a reason why, you know, we have the old adage, you know, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, right? I mean, an, the older a person is, it's not that God doesn't save the elderly or change or reform the elderly. Uh, but when a person has been going in a certain direction for a long time, I think we could say God ultimately is sovereign. He'll save whoever, whenever he wants. Um, but there is a reason that most conversions happen uh, at, 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 in the childhood years or even like maybe young adult college years. Um, but, but And not to say that your father, this was his conversion, I don't know. But, but my point is to make a, a huge reformation and to say, uh, yeah, the direction I was going was wrong. I'm going to repent. It's going to be costly. And mm-hmm. I'm ultimately later on going to hand it over to my son. Um, all of that I think is just uh, incredibly honorable. I know a little bit of, of what that's like. We didn't go from 200 to 50. Um, that, but my, my hat is off to you and your dad for, um, for doing whatever it took to be ultimately to, um, to love the glory that comes from God more than the glory that comes from men. So good, good on you for that. So any, anything else you want to share about just uh, being a pastor and, and what that's like? Well, um, it's a it's a tall task, but I, I do uh, enjoy serving the, the, the people of God. I do enjoy serving the people of God because I watch my dad. One thing uh, out of the, the, the things he's uh, admitted and repented of, he did he, he did a lot of things right. And um I seen how he served the people. Um, I seen how he he studied. He is a masterful um, wordsmith uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the Word of God. Can quote large portions of Scripture, and I and I gain that love of the Scriptures from my father uh, because you know he, he, just quoting from it's nothing like quoting the Scriptures from memory. Uh, and and having it come out of hiding at the right at the right times, uh, and so um, I loved I love teaching that to the people and 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 teaching them to love the Word of God uh, because loving the Word of God means loving Christ, and so now with this uh, this right understanding and this uh, reforming uh, to the to 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 this authority that's higher than anything and what should guide us and and be our light this is this is our goal this is my goal is to create a love for the glory of Jesus Christ in our people and uh, we are on a, a path of, uh, of of feeding the confessions and catechisms and uh, we're going through all of that 
I had a, a dear sister come to me you know, after uh, the study of the scriptures the other night and said, uh, Pastor, it's, this is what I've been looking for. This is what, this is, this is what we need. And that just, I mean, it, it just melted my heart. Because even though I know what the scripture says, I know what I, I'm supposed to be doing, that confirmation from the flock, the confirmation from the people that you are feeding um, is, is just, it's, it's second to none. And, and, I, and I just praise God for that. So I, I, a pastoring is, uh, is a, 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 a all day, uh, every day, grind as you as you may mention of but um, i do love i do love uh, seeing people grow from this point to this point and and gr- and grasp the understanding of the word so with that all day grind everything you said beautiful i agree wholeheartedly but with that all day grind because i completely agree pa- being a pastor is just you're always on the clock. Now that doesn't mean you're always working. Pastors sleep. Pastors get to hang out with their wives and their kids and all that kind. Of, so I don't want to make it sound miserable, but but faithful pastors uh, work, work hard and they're always it's twenty four seven in the sense that they're always on call for the sheep. There's there's always a sense that um, if the sheep are in trouble, right? The, the pastor he gets out of bed and he goes and he helps helps the sheep. That's the difference. John chapter ten between you know the shepherd and the hired hand. Right? The hired hand stays in bed. You know, as a sheep is getting ripped apart by a bear or or a wolf, you know, and uh, but the, but the pastor gets out of bed, and he goes and and he takes his staff and he puts his life on the line and he tries to defend the sheep, and so it it is a full time endeavor. So with that being said, what's it like? This is kind of my 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 next question with your pastoral ministry. What's it like being bivocational? What's it like having? Because it's not just bivocational in the sense that you're you know you work a you know punch in punch out forty hour a week job you know, and then go pastor, but you're working another, another vocation that is also, I, I can only imagine fairly demanding. Um, so what, what is that like? Well, um, prioritizing and, uh, <laughs> yeah. really, uh, narrowing down what really matters, you know, mm. uh, my life, uh, at home has been totally rearranged you know, uh, my wife is is so wonderful with our children, and scheduling and things like that, that nature, and the and, and keeping the home intact, where um, our time is basically you know uh, planned and scheduled and things of that nature. No time for television. I think television has been uh, just dwindling dwindling down to nothing. You know, the TV is not on through the week and we'll allow the kids to watch it on the weekend or whatever if they, you know, for, for a little bit, but uh, there's so much to do, Joe. There's so much to do. There's so much to read. There's so much to prepare for. Um, you know, it's, you mentioned uh, taking care of the, uh, the sheep in the middle of the night. We have one elder right now in the hospital right now. Uh, if you can uh, keep in your prayers, uh, elder Cyrus Hines, he's a dear brother has been with us and, um, he he uh, he suffered a stroke, and um, we've been visiting in the hospital, um, taking care of what he whatever he he wants me to do and the things of that nature. And uh, again, with the reform and things like that, preparing for uh, we're pre- we're preparing for a um, a walk uh, at our local. Um, it's called Compass Care. 
Um, this Saturday is a walk for uh, their services is erasing the need for abortion. And so um, our church is preparing for that. Uh, we're trying to get the word out for that. We're trying to be in touch with the community. And uh, there's always something to do. And that that issue, that issue in itself is a um, is a tall task. So, uh, again, working uh, my my vocational job. <clears throat> yes, it's demanding, but I love it. I'm in a position now as a detective um, where I can slow down a little bit, where I'm not on the beat in patrol, um, where, where I'm now I'm doing investigations and things of that nature. So uh, it, it's um, it's it's good. It's good. I'm in a good place. I'm in a good place. So I can balance until uh, the Lord takes me off of the job totally uh, so I can devote uh, myself to full-time pastoring. And that, and that is your desire? Because I, I will definitely be praying for that. I, I didn't ask you that previously, but is that what you would like to do is, is vocational uh, ministry? It, it's, it most certainly is. It cool. most certainly is. Praise God. I think that's great. Um, okay. So, We've talked about your church. We've talked a little bit about policing. We've talked about your family and your five kids, being a husband. Um, towards the end of the show here, last thing, kind of going back to the police department, going back to some of the some of the crazy rhetoric and, and some of those big, you know, hot button issues in our culture today. Black Lives Matter, those kinds of things. Um, recently. And I, I, I told you ahead of time I was going to ask you about this, and so uh, hopefully, hopefully you're not caught off guard. But recently, there was a, there was some some infamous tweets, um, or at least mm. one from uh, mm. LeBron James, um, great at basketball, very poor in my assessment at uh, at social commentary. I think he, he needs to just <laughs> uh, just just keep keep dunking a basketball, you know, in a goal and he'll do just fine. But he, he likes to get involved and give his two cents from time to time. And uh, his two cents, I, I wish he'd just, just keep it in his pocket. So anyways, uh, you know, he tweeted out, and this was the tweet that I'm, I'm referencing, this specific one. He's, he's fairly vocal from time to time. But this is the most recent one that I can think of. Uh, he said, you're next, hashtag accountability. He had a picture of the police officer. I believe it's the, the police officer. Uh, who who shot Micaiah Bryant, uh, who is the young uh, black woman who, as far as we know from the body cam footage, you know, but we should say just, you know, because one is thought right until another cross examines him. So we should use the legal you know terminology, the one, uh, this black, young black woman who allegedly, so we'll say allegedly, um, was attempting to stab with a knife another yeah. young black woman. And so anyway, so that was... Uh, that was that was news that that you know uh, was very polarizing and you know people LeBron is a saint Saint LeBron and then other people are saying well wait wait a second man Black Lives Matter like this police officer technically as far as we know was saving a black life namely the girl who was going to be stabbed by another girl do, do you have any thoughts on that what you know if if LeBron being as respectful as possible if LeBron was sitting here you know in this video chat with us in this recording what what would you what what would you say to him how, how do you how do you feel about the subject well I want to be gracious of course to uh to the young man um with his influence and his platform uh the good he could do the change he can make um, is, is, is so great. 
And it's so sad, Joel, that he is using it for filthy lucre, to use the old term, uh, King James Version term. I mean, um, to, to, to be that irresponsible, to be that irresponsible, Black Lives, he wore the shirt, he wore the shirt, um, he's, uh, you know, he, he's pumping the fists and protests, um, but it's, he's not um, lining up with what he is, what he, he, he claims to fight for. He's not lining up. His speech is, is not lining up. When, when you critique a police officer that has seconds to make a decision um, and you have no idea of the circumstances or the facts and you come out so quickly and again, irresponsibly, it is so damaging because, because you have the ear of so many young people. You have the ear of so many uh, of the culture, young and old. You have fans of, of all ages listening to you and, and they pay attention to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And now you are putting in jeopardy and danger the life of, uh, of everyone when you say, or when you put out that kind of uh, rhetoric and, 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 and even this is not the first time he's tweeted. I believe in 2020, he's tweeted something like, you know, the police are hunting us down every day, something to that matter. It, it was just grossly irresponsible. And you know, that's not true. And I, and I think he, he added uh, every time we step out of the homes, LeBron, please out of your home, every, every time you step out of your home, they're there. I mean, that's just so hypocritical and, 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 it's, and it's dangerous, though. When you And then you have the echoing of other athletes and actors and entertainers um, advising people to resist the police. You know, you just put not only that person and that police, but everybody that, 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 that can suffer from that interaction in danger. And so for, Le, for LeBron to continue to talk about, and then he uses accountability, there's no accountability because if there was, you would not have tweeted that tweet. And, uh, you know, you just continue to use your platform for, 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 for bad as opposed to what you could be using it for. And I just think it's just grossly unfortunate that he would say what he said and then put, you know, blast that, uh, that officer putting his picture there and all of that. And again, as you mentioned, we forget to, we forget to see that he saved a life. He saved, he actually saved a life. Uh, I mean, uh, I can't imagine that he wanted, he, he wanted him not to uh, shoot um, the, the, the young lady and uh, let her get stabbed to death by the, uh, the, the, the other young lady. But it's, it just, again, it's, it's unfortunate. And I wish he would not, you know, if you're going to voice your opinion, um, don't use don't use it as a a weapon. Don't use it as a weapon as a divisive uh, uh, tool because that's what what I think ultimately he's doing. He's he's doing and, he, and he's creating an unbelievable danger, an unbelievable danger. When you when you say the police are hunting us down, when you say you're next, then, you know people that are people that that are not um, thinking 
will act on those words. Well, they will right. act on right. those words, you know, absolutely. And then uh, I, I don't think, and I don't believe that that's what he wants, but the careless tweets will, that will be the result of it for sure. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you, that's really good. Uh, I was going to ask you in that light, you know, you said, uh, you said two things. You said it's hypocritical and I completely agree with you. And I think that's palpable. I think the hypocrisy of, you know, not just to pick on LeBron, but any, any, anybody in, in the, in the limelight in the spotlight, you know, to say something like, you know, like the moment we step out of our homes, it's like, like you step out of your home. How much does your home cost? You probably have private security, you know, all these, like, so it's hypocritical. That that's clear. But I like that you said, Mark, you said, you know, it's also irresponsible. And I, and I just wanted to kind of ask, and it sounds like you're already saying this, but I wanted to ask you in terms of, um, in terms of that irresponsibility of putting a, the picture Right. It's one thing the social commentary, you know, and, and for it to be hypocritical and backwards and upside down and just untrue um, as far as we can tell. Um, but but for it to be irresponsible, putting the picture of the police officer. And I wanted to ask you from, you know, somebody who serves on the force um, from from your kind of talk some inside baseball here that with that police officer, would he is he in, does that actually would that put him in physical danger? Because yeah, I would absolutely. I would imagine it would. Absolutely. What, so uh, oftentimes, now you, you see the, the movements, Black Lives Matters, Antifa, uh, the various people that hate the police, that, that, that yell, uh, uh, defund the police, and all of those types of things, they're on a mission to destroy uh, uh, officers, um, mm. especially those that, that are in the limelight. And so now when you, you, you have a, someone of LeBron's status, putting a picture there and I, I don't, I'm not sure. So I, I, I'm not sure if he put the name, but I'm, the name was out there already. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure uh, that's not hard to, to get. Uh, but now you have people capitalizing on that and, and going after searching and, you know, they show up at your job, they'll show up at your house, they'll show up in your neighborhood. Uh, yes, he's in, yes, he's in danger. Yes, he's in danger uh, for, for, for putting his name on blast and putting his picture there. Uh, uh, because again, um, the crazies, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, those that are, those that have no sense and no care for life, um, mm. they will act on, they will act on that. And so yes, absolutely. Without a doubt, he, he, he would be in danger for doing something like that. And I believe that's yeah. why the suit, That's what I assume. I believe he's suing him uh, for, for that very for that very reasons or or one Good. among them. Good. Yeah, it just makes me think. You know, maybe we can wrap up with this, but it just it makes me think of James chapter one, uh, verse nineteen. And well, we could do, we could do nineteen verse nineteen through twenty one. It says this: Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to listen, or to mm-hmm. hear, and slow to speak. And slow, and, and it's, it's pretty interesting how speaking and anger are listed side by side. Slow to speak and slow to anger, as though one produces the other. Verse 20 now says, for the anger of man, a fleshly carnal anger, not, not a righteous indignation that a Christian man might have from time to time, but the fleshly carnal anger of man does not produce the righteousness or the holiness of God. Therefore... Because of that truth, man's anger doesn't produce God's 
righteousness. Let us put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And I think of the the way you started and asked, you know, answering my question in in terms of LeBron James and that particular tweet. What uh, you you used the old King James. What, What did you say? What was the term you used? Filthy lucre. Yeah, there there it is. And so I just think of fil- filthiness, filthy lucre, um, all of that. That's I think I think you nailed it. That's exactly precisely what it is. And I think part of it is it's it's the kind of language that we could say the nature, the quality of language, filthy lucre. Um, and, and that's what that's what James chapter one gets to uh, at the end of those three verses in verse 21. What, what what it starts with in verse 19 is that it's not just the, the quality or the nature of the language that it's filthy that it's vile, that it's ignorant, but it starts in verse 19 by saying it's, it's rash. It's too quick. It's too quick. You're quick to speak. Um, but, but you should be quick to listen, quick to hear, uh, quick to research. We might say quick to study, quick to think quick, you know, all those kinds of things and slow to speak. And I think, I think in our world with, with celebrities, and then not just celebrities, because there was a time where there were celebrities, but a celebrity would have to go, you know, they'd have to go to some journalist, you know, they'd have to go, you know, they'd have to go to some kind of public event, you know, where there were news, you know, news anchors or news reporters and things like that, uh, some kind of press event. But right. now, you know, I mean, that was the whole thing with Trump, you know, like I, I appreciated a lot of his policies, um, but man, his his Twitter account got him in trouble um, fairly right. often. And, and part of it was just the fact that, you know the president is gonna is gonna be making public addresses quite often, but and and that's just historically that's always been the case. But even more so when when that president uh, doesn't need to go to the press, he doesn't have to call a press conference or anything like that. He doesn't have to get the cameras ready. He doesn't have to put on the makeup. He can literally he can be three in the morning, and you know President Trump's rolling over in bed. And he's like, I, an idea just popped in my head. I think I'll, I'll, I'll just shoot it out there to, you know, <laughs> 40 million people on Twitter. And it's like, well, that's, I wish you wouldn't, you know, I prefer you just, why don't you just sit on that? You know, just, just why don't you sleep on that one? Let it marinate a little right. bit. And so my whole point is just to say, it's always been biblically true that, um, that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak because a, a, a quickness in speech lends towards a quickness. Um, quick speech lends towards Quick anger, and 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 yes. man's quick hot anger does not produce the righteousness of God, and so um, so that's always been true biblically, um, but now with with just monumental celebrities coupled with social media and and an iPhone in their pocket and all in technology, it's just um, the temptation to speak immediately is before all of us. All of us, and, and that includes you and I. That includes Christians and pastors. I mean, as a pastor, there have been some times where there's a current event, and I'm thinking, I want to do a podcast on this, like we're doing right now, you know, or uh, uh, where it's it's the Lord's Day is coming. Something happens on Saturday night. It's a it's a global, you know, I mean, or at least national event, and it's like I, I got to say something on this. And I think all of us just feel whether you're a pastor, whether you're a Christian, whether you're LeBron James, whoever you are. Um, all of us feel the kind of urgency that used to only a news reporter would feel. You know what I mean? And now it's like all of us fancy ourselves to be kind of like, like you know, 
private detectives and, and, you know, news reporters. And we all have to, you know, what's your statement? Why haven't you made a statement? Why didn't you put a black square on your, on your Facebook page? Why didn't you say something? Why didn't, you know, and it's like, man, you know what? Like, I don't think the Bible really, I don't think the Bible advocates for that. As a Christian, I feel like the Bible often says, why don't you not say something? Why don't you wait at least a few days? At least, let, let a week go by. Think about this. Pray about this. Let's see if some more things come to light before we cast. Because ultimately, our statements is, is our casting of judgment. And I think sure. that's, what, that's what's frustrating. And I see guys like LeBron casting a hypocritical and irresponsible judgment. Because that's what it is. It's a judgment. And, and in some sense, it's a hit. It's putting out a hit on, on that, that police officer. But I have to look inward. And I think you'll agree with it. I have to look inward at the end of the day and think, man, like, I don't have millions of fans. I'm not nearly as popular as LeBron James, but I've got a few people who follow me. And and how often am, am I tempted to to make that statement about the big hot button issue that just happened less than 24 hours ago? Because I want to I want to be seen. I want to be heard. I want I love the glory that comes from men rather than the glory that comes from God. And there is a sense of urgency. People people are demanding an answer. They want to know what does John MacArthur think about blank you know what what is john piper gonna say about but i think if we're wise um the bible has answers to these things and biblically faithful men will be able to find those answers but sometimes they can't find them in in three hours and 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 sometimes they don't fit into 140 characters on 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 a tweet and so you know what i mean sometimes it's yeah the bible does address this and i'll get back to you in a week and that's just going to have to be sufficient because the Bible commands that I'm slow to speak and slow to anger. And the, mm. and the quick answers and quick statements and rash judgments, it produces the anger of man that, that, yes. that doesn't lead towards the righteousness of God. Do you, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, the floor as we close out here. Do you have any final thoughts or anything you want to share? Well, uh, again, I appreciate the opportunity to be be with you, Joel. It's uh, it's been a joy Thank just you. to get to know you, man. And I look forward to uh, many more encounters and conversations. But um, a- as we depart, I just want people. As I said, I wanted to be gracious to LeBron because uh, he needs to know the Lord. Right. <laughs> he he needs to be saved, and he has such an influence uh, on people that, again, as I said, I wish he would not have said it, but. As you all just uh, said so so rightly, that we need to look in, we need to look in, consider ourselves in all these matters, and uh, continue to to stand for the truth and be ready with an answer to answer the culture to reject mm-hmm. the the ways as as Deuteronomy says, be careful, be careful uh, in how you live, and be careful that you don't forget God. Uh, I love what John MacArthur says about. The culture, he says, be an expert in your Bible, and you'll know how to answer the culture. And uh, as as we're as we're departing, and I just want the the listeners to know that again, whatever is coming up, the Bible is the word of God and is the answer for everything, every ideology, every argument, everything that's that that's coming our way. The word of God is sufficient. Every major battle. As a matter of fact, when Jesus Christ was tempted, the three words that came out of his mouth first is, it is written. And how much more we 
the people of God will battle against Satan, but battle against the culture and the society with it is written. It is still sufficient. It is still powerful. It's still sharper than any two-edged sword. And so with that said, I, 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 want, I want the people to know that uh, we know that we will win. Uh, the church will win. Uh, no matter how bad, I know John Owen says that, yeah, we'll suffer uh, decay and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have some decline, but no one will overtake the kingdom of God. No one will ultimately to overtake the kingdom of God. And so I am encouraged with that, that God is uh, not only enough, he is all, <laughs> he is all. And so uh, I praise God. I praise God for this opportunity. And I praise God for you. So thank you. Thanks, thank you. Mark. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. I'm grateful for you as well. And I look forward to um, to continuing a friendship and having you back on the show, Lord willing, sometime soon. So thanks for coming on. Absolutely. As a special thank you for your gift of any amount, we'll be happy to send you a free digital book from our store. To access this offer, visit rightresponseministries.com slash offer. We highly recommend Pastor Joel's book, Am I Truly Saved? If you or someone you know has wrestled with doubts about the love of God, this would be a great resource. As a reminder, to get this offer, go to rightresponseministries.com offer. And thank you for your generous support.